Welcome. This is the Contreras Report, an Hispanic view of the USA. I'm Raul Lowry Contreras. Thank you for being there. Today, we're going to talk about a few things that are in the news and that are causing Americans to think one way or another on different issues. Okay. President Trump speaks. Is anyone listening? Where was the greatest negotiator, deal maker in history when negotiations were conducted between Nancy Pelosi and the administration? United States Senator Ben Sasse calls the Trump executive orders unconstitutional slop. A former Texas congressman is National Intelligence Director an extremely unqualified Trump appointee. Are our enemies enjoying his tenure? Trump manipulates intelligence. I've got an article from the Washington Post by Max Boot, one of my longtime heroes that I've I followed. Uh, we're both defense, uh, national defense conservatives. Trump attacks Roman Catholic Joe Biden. Here we go again. Joe Biden, remember, if he gets elected, it would be only the second Roman Catholic president ever elected, and he happens to be the first Roman Catholic ever elected vice president. President Trump has ordered that the census stop counting early, producing an incomplete census. Border crossers. You remember President Trump brags about closing the border, building a wall, and all that. Well, border crossers are increasing. Not only are they increasing, but they're the same people over and over and over again. It's like the good old days. Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, Republican of Kentucky, is smeared by a United States Marine officer. We'll get into that. I have great pride of being a United States Marine myself. I'm not very proud of this woman, though, but we'll, we'll discuss that. As of this morning, 162,938 Americans have died from the flu that the president keeps telling us is disappearing. Okay, the Washington Post had a great article. Trump called a massive explosion in Beirut, Lebanon, as a massive attack. He said, quote, some of our great generals thought it was a bomb of some kind, unquote. It was fertilizer, Mr. President, ammonium nitrate. Yes, being stored for nefarious future purposes to be turned into bombs, undoubtedly. But not this time, Mr. President. But the key is, did anyone care what he said? Has President Trump stayed too long? Would he have been saved by a three-year term? When asked what his priorities for a second term are, he said nothing. He couldn't give us an idea of, or ideas of what his second term would consist of policy-wise. When it was pointed out that over a thousand people a day are dying at this very moment, at that very moment, from COVID-19, he responded with, and I quote, it is what it is. Has he been there too long? Okay, 
Great negotiations going on for several weeks. They fell apart. Now, as of this recording, they have fallen apart. We don't know what will happen in the next few days. I suspect that they will restart. But all I can say is that Washington, D.C. sucks. It sucks. Nancy Pelosi and Senator Schumer and Secretary of Treasury Mnuchin and Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, are total flops, failures at what they do. But worse is the ultimate sideline observer, the President of the United States. Democrats passed a House bill of $3 trillion for COVID-19 help. Mnuchin offers $1 trillion and doesn't move from that. Talks fail. Mr. President, you sent two minor league players into the negotiations with Major League Nancy Pelosi. Where were you? What should have happened is that you and Senator Mitch McConnell should have invited Nancy Pelosi and Senator Schumer into the White House. You guys should have had a joint news conference and saying you're going into that room, the Lincoln Room or whatever. And that you were going, not going to come out until a deal was made. You four were going to stand there until a deal was made. If it took 24 hours a day of negotiations for seven days, 10 days, 20 days, it doesn't make any difference. That's what a real leader would have done, Mr. President. You could, wouldn't come out of that room until a deal was done. No staff, no nothing entering the room except notebooks. The room while the deal-making was in process. Nothing except food. The failure is why President Trump will probably lose in November. He shows no leadership whatsoever. Come on! Get him in the room. Take him to Camp David. Do whatever you want, but don't let him out of the room. And you be there. You be there. You're the deal-maker, you say. Playing golf, Mr. President, doesn't feed people. It doesn't call workers back from unemployment. We have millions of people running around who have lost their jobs in the past 90 days, and they're dead in the water. They can't do anything. And now the money's been cut off. Thank you very much. Executive orders don't hack it, Mr. President. What law, allow, what law allows you to stop collecting Social Security taxes from workers that are working? How does suspension of Social Security taxes help the 25 million that have lost their jobs? The tax has to be collected, sir, from a paycheck. No paycheck, no tax. No paychecks, no cash collected. And Social Security is already approaching bankruptcy. You're stealing from the people who get Social Security. Remember, the dollar comes in, it goes right back out to people like me who are getting there once a, once a month. Mine's the third Wednesday of the month. Mr. President, you flunked the test of leadership. I'm not the only one that thinks that. United States Senator Ben Sasse, future presidential candidate in, in 2024, says, he's from Nebraska, by the way, Republican, Trump's, quote, pen and phone theory of executive lawmaking is unconstitutional slop. President Obama did not have the power to unilaterally rewrite immigration law with DACA 
and President Trump does not have the power to unilaterally rewrite the payroll tax law. Nancy Pelosi, quote, well, parentheses, Trump, close parentheses, says he's going to do the payroll tax. What's he doing? What he is doing is undermining Social Security and Medicare. So these executive orders, parentheses, close parentheses, are illusions. Trump names an unqualified congressman to be the National Intelligence Director. The man's name is John Ratcliffe. He's from West Texas, and he's totally unqualified. So why, why did President Trump nominate him to fill this very, very important job? Well, we don't know, do we? What we do know is that first, the national director was former U.S. Senator Dan Coats that Trump nominated when he first became president in January of, uh, of uh, 2017. He was fired by Trump because Coates wouldn't rewrite estimates, intelligence estimates that focused on Russian interference in U.S. elections. Former Senator Coates was replaced by a Navy admiral, Joseph McGuire, that everybody liked. He was fired because one of his assistants told a House committee, a House of Representatives committee, that Russia wanted Trump to win. Then, after McGuire, Richard Grinnell, the ambassador to Germany, was named acting director of national intelligence. He was replaced by Texas Congressman John Ratcliffe, former United States attorney. Trump explains why he named Ratcliffe, quote, I think we need somebody like that, that's strong and can rein it in. As you've all learned, the intelligence agencies run amok, unquote. This is a man who does not like his intelligence agencies because they come present him with what they conclude from looking at the evidence that they, these things that they report to him, he doesn't like. Does Trump want a better relationship with Russia? Is that why he does this? Because the intelligence agencies don't like Russia. Michael McFall, former United States ambassador to Russia, wonders if the transactional Trump has not completed, wonders why he has not completed a single noteworthy transaction with Vladimir Putin, the Russian president that Trump speaks to regularly. So that's point number one, has not completed a single noteworthy transaction with Vladimir Putin. Number two, no nuclear arms control deal or extension of existing New START treaty scheduled to end in February. Number three, now remember, this is a former ambassador to Russia. Number three, Russia hasn't helped to rein in Iran's nuclear projects. Four, Russia has not helped Trump with North Korea. Five, Russia has not helped the U.S. in Afghanistan. As a matter of fact, we know for a fact they've been offering, the Russians have been offering bounties for the scalps of Americans. Well, the killing of Americans is not the scalps, really, but. And we know that. And that intelligence has been presented to the president who poo-poos it. 
And Kelly McEnany, his his erstwhile press secretary, says, well, that hasn't been verified. No, 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 no. The CIA is quite confident that it's true. It's the NSA, national security people, that say they're not sure. But they listen in on phone calls. They don't have people physically witnessing what's going on in Russia. Six, Putin sides with communist China in its problems with the U.S., Seven, Putin's Russian soldiers are in eastern Ukraine and in the Crimea and have been there every single day of the Trump administration. Eight, President Trump has negotiated no trade deals other than USMCA, which is NAFTA light. It's NAFTA cleaned up a little bit. Number nine, Americans cannot yet adopt Russian orphans like they used to be able to. Number 10, former Marine Paul Whelan was railroaded by a kangaroo court into a 94-year prison term for being a spy. Unflimsy evidence that a 10-year-old lawyer could beat. Trump didn't even intervene. He didn't pick up the phone as far as we know and said, hey, let that guy go. Come on, he hasn't done anything. Let him go. Find him not guilty and let him go. But he didn't do that. So we know what is he hasn't done with Russia. So what we need to know is what hasn't he done with China? Well, we're going to discuss that right now. Okay, regarding China, this information I got out of Axios, A-X-I-O-S, which is a publication that comes out twice a day from Washington, D.C., by the people that farmed, that started Politico uh, when it first got going. And this information is really good, and so I want to give them full credit, okay? President Trump's rhetoric on China has tended to run hotter than his actions until now, writes Axios's David Lawler. Why it matters. Even at the height of Trump's trade war, his administration never hit China as hard, as fast, and on as many fronts as it is right now. Last night, Trump escalated his campaign to claw apart the Chinese and American tech worlds with executive orders that threatened to ban both TikTok and massive global messaging app WeChat. Today, the Treasury Department sanctioned Carrie Lam, Hong Kong's Beijing backed leader for, quote, implementing Beijing's policies of suppression of freedom and democratic processes, unquote. That move follows sanctions on the Xinjiang Production and Construction Corps, a powerful paramilitary organization for its role in the mass detention of ethnic minorities. The U.S. has closed China's consulate in Houston, stepped up its efforts to keep Chinese telecom giant Huawei out of the Allies' 5G networks, and even warned blue-chip American companies that they could face legal penalties, penalties for doing Beijing's bidding. Health Secretary Alex Azar will soon become the highest-ranking U.S. official to visit Taiwan in four decades. Actually, he's there today in a pointed signal of support for the self-governing island that has infuriated Beijing. Between the lines, in some cases, Trump has been responding to China's actions, most notably the draconian security law for Hong Kong, but there may be more to the sudden offensive. Number one, politics. 
Trump's bidding a tough-on-China push will resonate with voters in an election year, and his advisors, including trade advisor Peter Navarro, on our ProRata podcast, often cite polling suggesting he's right to do so. Number two, trade. Trump has admitted his desire to secure a trade deal with China and caused him to pull punches in the past, including over the mass detentions in Xinjiang. And trade talks are now on ice, perhaps permanently. Markets, number three. Thanks to the $2 trillion CARES Act and the Federal Reserve's promise to do whatever it takes to support markets, investors have largely ignored trade war headlines and continued to bid stock prices higher. Well, what do you know? The President of the United States is actually getting tough with China. It is said that they have a million minorities in concentration camps. They're a Muslim minority in West China. That's called the Uyghurs, spelled U-I-G-A-R-S, something like that. Might have an H in there somewhere. But they're not Chinese. They're a minority group that, uh, that the Chinese have conquered over the years. So you have to wonder, what is the president up to with China? Hmm. What we do know is that Trump has been manipulating the intelligence agencies. In an article by Max Boot, formerly lifelong Republican, foreign affairs expert, in the Washington Post, he says, or he wrote, quote, the options faced by the intelligence community during Trump's residency have been stark. Avoid infuriating the president, but compromise the agencies." ostensible independence or assert that independence and find yourself replaced with a more sycophantic alternative. Robert Draper wrote that actually in a long, deep article in the New York Times magazine. Max Boot was quoting him. Draper discusses why the intel community is prevented by Trump from honestly discussing Russian interference in our presidential election. Max Boot, points out that William Evanina, a career law enforcement officer and is Trump's director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center, has to pull his punches in public statements. Two weeks ago, Evanina stated, quote, Russia continues to spread disinformation in the U.S. that is designed to undermine confidence in our democratic process and denigrate what it sees as an anti-Russian establishment in America, unquote. This week, Evanina says, quote, Russia is using a range of measures to primarily denigrate former Vice President Biden and that some Kremlin-linked actors are also seeking to boost President Trump's candidacy on social media and on Russian television, unquote. Somebody told Evanita to change his wording. So he has to balance things out. And he did it with a China-Iran statement. I hesitate there for a minute. I want you to think. China and Iran, he says, are supporting or favoring Joe Biden. Here's the problem. China and Iran's preferences are public. Everybody knows what they, how they feel. They hate Trump. Russian attempts at undermining us are hidden. Example, 
chief Russian anti-Biden critic, is a Ukrainian, a pro-Russian Ukrainian who works for the Russians, a politician named Andriy Derkash. And guess who he meets with all the time? Rudy Giuliani, Trump's lawyer. Example of Trump interference, National Intelligence Estimate last year, estimates last year, that's N-I-E-S, parentheses, close parentheses, last year said Russia wanted to re-elect Trump. They changed the statement to Russian leaders probably assess that changes to improve relations will diminish under a different president. So you see, you see how the Russians are influencing through President Trump. I don't know why he's doing it. Why is he doing this? It's really irritating. Now, I said in the opening that I was going to discuss Donald Trump's attack on Joe Biden, Roman Catholic. Here we go again. I went through this in 1960, folks, and I was for Nixon. But as a Roman Catholic, I had to, I was really upset. And, and if I wasn't so dedicated to Richard Nixon, I would have supported Kennedy just on this one issue. But I didn't. I stuck with Nixon. And, but this time, and, and I'm not saying I'm going to vote for Biden because I probably won't. But Trump on Biden. Quote, no religion, no anything. Quote, hurt the Bible, hurt God. He's against God, unquote. Give me a break. Joe Biden's more of a Roman Catholic than I am. He carries a rosary around in his pocket that belonged to his son, Bo, who was very, very uh, devout. I don't carry a rosary around. As a matter of fact, I don't even own one. As a matter of fact, I've never held one in my hand and, and to use. I wouldn't know how to use it. I'm not that good a Catholic, but I am a Catholic. And it hurts me to see a Protestant punk like the president of the United States who doesn't even go to church say such things about a guy who does go to church. Biden is the United States' first Catholic vice president. Since Kennedy in 1960, no Catholic has been elected president or even run for president and uh, or, VP, or VP, vice president, until Biden. Biden, quote, President Trump's decision today to profane God and to smear my faith in a political attack is a stark reminder of what the stakes of this fight truly are, unquote. Yes, it's 1960 all over again, Mr. Trump. You're bringing it up. But let me remind you, sir, you did carry Catholics in uh, 2016. That is why you won the presidency, because they happen to be in places like Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. Catholics, sir, are 25% of all U.S. voters. July poll, in a July poll by Pew Research, Biden leading with Catholics, Catholic voters 52 to 47%. If that stays in there, if those percentages hold up on November 3rd, you will be retired, sir. A Roman Catholic editor of uh, something called Whispers in Logia, L-O-G-G-I-A. I've never heard of it, but apparently somebody knows about it. His name is Rocco Palma. It's a news site on Catholicism. He questioned Trump's views. Quote, 
Some Catholics are going to say, you don't tell us who's one of us and who isn't. The bishops are the authoritative teachers of the faith, not the president of the United States. Good for you, Rocco. Pope Francis has called President Trump not Christian. Trump has called, or has called the Pope's words disgraceful. In a call with Catholic leaders, Donald Trump called himself the, quote, the best president in the history of the Catholic Church, unquote. Catholic writer for WAPO, E.J. Dion, pointed that out, and he pointed out that Mr. Trump is wrong, and he's wrong in bringing this up at this particular time, because like Rocco Palma said, some Catholics are going to, are going to say, you don't tell us who's one of us and who isn't. Mr. Trump, I don't know who lets you say that, but you better fire him. President Trump has ordered that the census be ended early, even though it's been the, 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 totally held up by the pandemic. The census is anywhere near where it should be at this time of the year. It's supposed to turn over all the information by December 31st to the President of the United States. Well, uh, they asked for, actually asked for four more months. They asked Congress for four more months. And uh, the Congress hasn't passed it yet, but they might. And that would overrule the President of the United States. And this is why it's important. Trump's anti-immigrant guru, Stephen Miller, is behind all this. He wants immigrants to be undercounted. He desires that, and he and the president desire that, because they want to cut the number of congressmen, representatives, that California has and that Texas has. And then those congressmen seats, those congressional seats would go somewhere else where there's, you know, we might elect a few more Republicans. That's what this is all about. It's to intentionally sabotage the census. And here's what happens. You, you people in Texas, you should really be totally irritated by this. Because for every 1% of undercount of the people in Texas will cost you in Texas three hundred million dollars in federal money because federal money is allocated on the basis of the census. In other words, if you're supposed to get a hundred dollars for project A, a hundred federal dollars for project A, uh, then uh, you'll get a hundred dollars, right? Times the number of people. But if your undercount is 1% below what it should be, you're going to get $300 million less over a period of a year. If your undercount is 2% under, it's going to be $600 million. This is money you send to Washington. They clean it up a little bit, launder it, so to speak, and then send it back to you for your projects in Texas. Your interstates are going to fall apart. You won't have enough money to fix them. Congressional seats are allocated by population, populations determined by the census every 10 years. Undercounting in the census destroys the census, the veracity of the census, and it wipes out 
hundreds of millions of dollars that states would normally get. So why is President Trump ordering this? Because he and Miller want to see Texas and California have fewer people counted. And the less counted, the less money and the fewer congressional seats. So California is estimated might lose five. Five congressmen. Okay, another thing that Stephen Miller and President Trump have done is they've tried to close the border. They use the COVID-19 pandemic to do it for non-essential travel. But what has happened is that the number of illegal border crossers has started bouncing up a little bit. Now, remember, since the year 2000, since Clinton was president, the number of illegal border crossers dropped every single year, with one exception, up until now. It's been dropping. It's been dropping. So what that, what has happened is that the government has ordered the Border Patrol and the Customs and Border Protection people to, instead of arresting people like uh, Trump ordered to begin with and, and putting them in on trial and getting them convicted and sent to prison as hopefully a deterrent for, to, to scare people from coming, what has happened is because of the, the pandemic, They've ordered that, yes, the opposite of that. If you grab an illegal in San Diego County or Los Angeles or Orange County or McClellan, Texas, or wherever it happens to be, Albuquerque, New Mexico, El Paso, Texas, you, you process them, you fingerprint them, you take their picture, and then you take, put them on a bus and you send them down to the border and shove them across into Mexico. Okay, that's like it used to be in the old days. And you know what they did then? They'd be shoved across the border and say, we'll see you in a couple hours. And they'd go back to the spot, cross the border, and off they go again. If they, and, and if they did that enough times, they'd get through. Born in East L.A., a movie with uh, uh, Cheech uh, Marine, uh, <laughs> showed that very graphically. And uh, it was a terrific movie at the time, uh, some years ago. Anyway, the border crossers now are, as soon as they're arrested and deported, they're coming right back. July detentions grew to 40,746. Now, that was double the April detentions of 17,086. So that's along the entire border, by the way. And the July was up 24, July detentions were up 24% over June. But that's what's happening. They're arresting them. They're shoving them across the border. These guys are coming right back. They're mostly guys. Okay, so another Trump failure. I don't know how many. I can't count that. I have more more failures than I have fingers on both hands. Okay, Mitch McConnell is not my favorite U.S. senator. Marco Rubio is. But, but Mitch McConnell is a level-headed guy who's usually right on track. He's a smart guy. And uh, he, let me tell you something. He married very well. I'll, I'll cover that in a minute. Anyway, there's a, a former United States Marine officer, a lieutenant colonel named Amy McCarthy, uh, that's running against him. She's a Democrat. And she's running against him in November. And uh, she's a liar. L-I-A-R. I don't care if she's a retired lieutenant colonel. I would say this to her face, and I hope she hears this. I hope somebody that's supporting her hears this podcast, because Amy, baby, you're a liar. You're a liar. Okay. She's running a TV ad right now, 
and talking about Mitch McConnell being one of the richest U.S. senators. That's true. He's number seven, the seventh richest U.S. senator. That's true. And at the end of the ad, it says, oh, and he got all this money from China, implying that he's working for the Chinese and getting paid off for him from them. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you this, Mitch McConnell is not working for the Chinese. He did what every red-blooded American boy wishes he could do. He married money. He married Elaine Chow back in 1993, and her family had escaped from communist China to Taiwan. And then from Taiwan, they came to the United States, became citizens, and started a shipping company that has been very successful. Sure, they, you know, let me tell you something, 40% or so, 45% of all the world trade go through the Straits of Malacca and Malaya and Singapore. That's 40, 45% of the entire world's trade. And that's where their ships work in that, that corridor from the Middle East through India, through the Straits of Malacca, up to China, Taiwan, Korea, and Japan. They might even send stuff to Vladivostok, which is in Russia, on the Pacific Ocean. So what happened was they got married in 1993, and sometime in the early 2000s, uh, I don't know when, Elaine Chao, C-H-A-O, who's our Secretary of Treasury, our Secretary of Transportation, sorry, I promoted her, and in line to be President of the United States in case of a catastrophe, her mother died. Her mother had her own fortune of $59 million. And so she spread it around among her, her uh, uh, children and other relatives. And $9 million went to Elaine Chow, who's married to Mitch McConnell. He reported it on their annual forms, on their annual income forms. There's no problem about that. He reported it. So he didn't earn it. He wasn't bribes from the Chinese, from some former Chinese people. Yeah, an inheritance. He married money. Every red-blooded American boy that I've ever even imagined has wanted to marry money. He did. But it wasn't big money at the time when they got married. It was years later. So, my gripe is with a Lieutenant Colonel Amy McCarthy and uh, her lies about the Senator, the Senate Majority Leader. And I find that reprehensible that a Marine Corps officer would lie like that. So Amy, baby, you don't get my any support from me. Don't bother to have your people call me for a contribution. Rah, rah, Semper Fi doesn't apply to you and me. So let's wind up with, on a somber note, I, I will have, I do have an, uh, a column that I just sent out that I'm going to read to you. But as of this morning, 49,573 new cases of COVID-19, actually as of last night. Another 522 people died yesterday, bringing the total dead in the United States to 167. 938,000 people. That was as of Sunday, August 9th. On Friday, the Labor Department announced July's job numbers. 1.8 million jobs were created in July. Well, that's not true. 
there were 108, uh, 1.8 million jobs that were filled, but they're not new jobs. They're replacement jobs for the ones that were lost in April and May. Remember, 25 million people or so lost their jobs. So to brag about 1.8 million new jobs is, and I use my parentheses, my quotation fingers, is not a good uh, a number, and it and it, it leaves millions of people still unemployed. Okay, let me read the column. Okay, here we go. Editor, for immediate release, President Trump declares Joe Biden insulted the black community. Biden did not. He was right about more diversity among Hispanics slash Latinos. The real insult came from President Trump. He is trashing housing rules implemented by President Barack Obama. The object, Trump's object, to protect white suburbs from an inflow of low-income blacks. Trump has a history of discriminating against blacks as well as of insulting them. Okay, here's the column. 687 words. Quote, as the title is, quote, Hispanic diversity, Mr. President, it isn't fake. By Raul Lowry Contreras. President Donald J. Trump stuck his foot in his mouth when he criticized presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden's comments that the Hispanic slash Latino community is more diverse than the black community. Trump, quote, what he said is incredible, and I don't know what's going on with him, but it's a very insulting statement he made, unquote. Then he sent out a, um, a tweet. Joe Biden, unlike the African-American community, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community. Via Breitbart News. Wow, Joe Biden just lost the entire African-American community. What a dumb thing to say. Trump's foot in his mouth evolves from Trump's lack of knowledge of the Hispanic community. You see, Biden is right. Biden, quote, what well, you Hispanics all know, but most non-Hispanic people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things, unquote. Joe Biden, quote, you go to Florida, you find a very different attitude about immigration in certain places than you do when you're in Arizona. It's a very different, a very diverse community, unquote. President Trump doesn't understand that among the 61 million or so Hispanics, there isn't even agreement about the appellations of ethnicity, quote, Hispanic, unquote, and or, quote, Latino, unquote, or the new, quote, Latinx. Trump doesn't, for example, understand that Cubans have been given extraordinarily friendly immigration status by the U.S. governments of Presidents Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush 1, and Bush 2. Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, on the other hand, stabbed Florida's Cuban refugee, now U.S. citizen population, in their collective back. The Mariel boatlift allowed thousands of Cubans in toto, into the U.S., welcomed by President Jimmy Carter. Limitations on Cubans were mildly imposed with the, quote, wet foot, dry foot, 
quote-unquote policy that greenlighted Cubans who set foot on a dry Florida beach for legal entry into the United States. That easy entry into the United States was halted by pro-Castro President Barack Obama. Who can forget American President Barack Obama yucking it up with Cuban dictator Raul Castro at a Havana baseball game? That, while political prisoners rotted in Castro's infamous prisons. Mexican-Americans have no dog in that hunt, so their attitude towards Florida's Cubans was colored by decades of Cubans allowed to blithely enter the U.S. and receive instant green cards. This, while established Mexicans who had been in the U.S. for decades were removed from the U.S. for being in the country, quote, illegally, unquote. Then Central Americans came who tended to be leftist communists escaping conflicts that were lo- they were losing in El Salvador, Guatemala, or a Nicaraguan war were communists won. Venezuelans escaping a socialist death rattle in what used to be one of the richest countries on earth have arrived. Venezuelanos and Nicaraguan refugees tend to be free enterprise, freedom lovers, as are many of America's Mexican origin citizens. Mexican families come for work and business. They fled poverty, not artillery or secret police. Entire towns in Arkansas, Oklahoma, North Carolina, for example, have been revitalized by Mexicans who came to work in poultry and meat packing plants, then opened stores in boarded-up towns that died years ago. They founded newspapers in Spanish and English. They provided an audience for two Spanish-language TV networks. They filled abandoned schools with bright-eyed children born in the U.S. Some came legally, some came illegally. There are almost 40 million Mexican-origin people in the United States. Nationally, Hispanics are starting new businesses faster than non-Hispanics. There are more Hispanic-owned businesses in California's Orange and San Diego counties, for example, than all the black-owned businesses in the entire country. Many Hispanics pride themselves in starting a business. Reparations are demanded by many blacks. Is there an insult here? Not by Biden. Joe Biden is right. Hispanics are more diverse than the black population. No reasonable person is insulted by that proven truth. No reasonable black person is insulted because they know Biden made a true statement. Biden stated there are diverse diverse views in the black community, though not as many as that among Hispanics, Latinos. Look at Chicago. President Trump does, and he goes out of his way to insult Chicago Blasig, especially its black mayor. Biden doesn't. The president makes speeches and issues orders that he will protect America's white suburbs from, you guessed it, blacks, low-income blacks. So who, Mr. President, is insulting whom? That's it for uh, the Contreras Report and Hispanic View of the USA, Issue 112, Issue 112. Thank you so much for being there. If you want to contact me, HispanicCommentator at gmail.com. That's Hispanic Commentator, one word, two C's, two M's, at gmail.com. Send me an email if you want, ask for questions, or if you're uh, one of my groups in, on Facebook, you'll see this uh, the column. And uh, which will be up and running soon. 
Thank you so much for being there. Until next time, goodbye.